0: This is a Pay on Media production. The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, bro. Let's get into this thing. It's Demasi and Michael, just talking tech.
1: I'm gonna have to tear apart this audio hijacks. Well, not really tear the whole thing apart, but I need to do some adjusting because right now I also hear me, which I don't like because there's a slight delay. I can deal with it, but I don't like it.
0: Mm. It may be actually be loop back.
1: Nope it's hey, because this. I'm it's because of how I'm feeding. So I'm pulling audio directly out of Clubhouse, so I can hear like Jeff talking
0: for mm-hmm. example,
1: right? So that means I'm also pulling my voice out of Clubhouse because I'm pushing it into Clubhouse, uh, if that makes sense. The yep. way that I'm doing the routing is what's causing me to hear myself. But uh, it's cool. I, I can deal with it. And if I can, just I'll turn just that pull slider the slider down, down. until we get done. You know, and that's, know, that's you know, probably you know.
0: why that slider was down anyways.
1: Yep, that is why I pushed it down because I was trying yeah. to figure out why people couldn't hear me and I can still hear you. So I was trying to fix that. Uh, and this is what I normally do is just push the slider all the way down. So if I don't respond to you, it's probably because I actually didn't hear you because I did just push it down
0: because I can't take it.
1: <laughs> just the, that half a second delay, like it's, it's just enough to it be It makes enough annoying. to make a difference. Enough to make a difference, man. There it is. Okay. I have it down super low. So now I think I can deal with that. It's kind of like normal monitoring now.
0: mm.
1: Oh, man. But, yeah, I need to do some adjusting to this audio hijack session.
0: Get I've been building my that. own audio hijack session, and that's been interesting. By the way, uh, level's fine for you, or uh, do I need to turn gain down a little bit? No, nope. you are good. Perfect. So, I tore my whole desk apart today. This wasn't in the show notes. Want to start with that? Yeah, man. Let's <laughs> start with that. I need to do this, actually. Yeah,
1: Um, For some of the same reasons that you did it, probably all the same reasons you did it. My desk is a mess, and I need to reroute these cables in a sensible way because I have been plugging and unplugging stuff for months and have it reorganized. But that's my thing. What about
0: you? Yeah, so because I'm getting new equipment on Monday, I said, huh. Huh, maybe I should reorganize this desk so I actually have place to push shit. And then I also realized that I have so much mail that it hasn't been processed or or stuff that I need to go through and get done. That was just, you know, I'm like, oh, we'll just stuff this under the laptop. All of a sudden my laptop's like four inches off the desk. And I'm like, this is weird. So I pulled everything off the desk, unplugged the computer, unplugged the mixer, uh, thought about standing the mixer on its end against the wall. So I had more room on my desk. And then I realized I couldn't do that. So I set it back flat on the desk. <laughs> uh, and then I g- went and grabbed these magic things called zip ties, which you probably shouldn't use on cables because if you ever need to loosen them up, you're going to have to cut them with scissors or a knife. Uh But I-, I made them loose enough. Well, the problem is, is I have a 10 foot XLR cable and that would get that and the headphone cable would get tangled up Uh, I I need to buy another headphone cable just to have a spare one, which, by the way, if you didn't know it, Demasi uses a mini XLR on the uh, headphone end. Uh, So Mm. that cable was getting ran. My headphone cable was getting ran over by the chair. The microphone cable was all looped around the desk so it wouldn't get in my way. And so I just took everything apart, put it back together after I zip tied the cable. So there was more. More room under the desk and the cables are closer to the top of the desk. Now, I realized I zip-tied them when I went to stand up and realized I couldn't stand all the way up with the headphones zip-tied, so I need to (laughs) loosen that up a little bit. But aside from that, that's the main reason. It's nice, though, because now I can find stuff on the desk until it gets dirty again, probably Monday.
1: (laughs) So, my first suggestion is going to be these really, really magical things
0: called Velcro ties, or
1: they're called Velcro ties. Yes, yeah, sir. yeah, they are I amazing. I
0: know. I spent my monthly allowance on Amazon and other places today. I got, I, I got to ask Mallory for permission for them Velcro ties. Actually, they could be a business expense. <laughs> there
1: you go. There you go. See, now you're
0: learning how, how it's done. Yeah, yeah. Slowly but surely. So, Demasi, what did I buy? What did you buy? I don't remember the name of the microphone. That's the one you told me to buy.
1: Ah, so you bought the Sure Beta 87A handheld condenser hypercardioid microphone.
0: See, you know the words. And I bought a cloud lifter. That sounds so anti Right. And I
1: also bought this thing.
0: Right. But uh, the cloud lifter, we're going to try with the Q2U first to see if it will work for boosting audio. Actually, you
1: are probably going to answer the question I was asking myself earlier today, too, when you get your equipment in on Monday, because the uh, sure is a condenser mic, so if it works, then I know I don't have to worry about that problem. Uh, If it doesn't, then I know I do. So which problem are we debating? Uh, The phantom power for Ah. the actual uh, amplifier. Because uh, phantom power through the board is going to work fine like that. You have to turn that off with an amplifier anyway, but yep. I'm not certain because the fethead head uh, sells a one with phantom power, but it could be, you know, sort of like the, that could be used for the purpose of a microphone that is very much like the How PR 40, which is just extremely gain hungry in the first place. Uh, yeah. So what Michael picked up, like I said, the Shure Beta 87A, hey, all that extra stuff I threw in because I was just looking at the microphone. So I I remembered, you know, short memorization. If you ask me that question tomorrow, I can't tell you. But he bought a new microphone. Uh, and he also bought a a uh inline mic amplifier. And what that basically does is just boost the um audio signal from the microphone going into his board, and that is because we both have the exact same board, the Soundcraft signature. 12 mtk um this board particularly here's the thing analog is kind of fine like honestly routing stuff analog is 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 decent but pushing across usb into the computer like the the sound levels are very low the quality is decent but the sound levels are low so that's the reason for the uh, mic amplifier to boost his signal so he can actually pull straight off the board With his microphone instead of doing the weird routing stuff that we're doing. (laughs) See episode 89 probably for that
0: information. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: So that's what Michael has purchased uh, today. Should be here Monday. Uh, And we'll do some testing. So Mike will be definitely on new equipment uh, by the time we next record. And Mike's plan is to test the Cloud Lifter, which is the actual amplifier that he bought. Uh, he's going to test that with his current microphone first, the Samsung, Samsung no G, mm-hmm. Q2U, uh, and see how it works. And then he's going to, you know, of course, hook up the new microphone, because why would you buy a new microphone and just leave it in the box? <laughs> Nobody does that. Uh, and we're going to see if that works. And if that works, then it's all great. The microphone that Michael bought is a very good microphone. It is XLR only compared to the Samsung and the ATR that I'm using uh, or the audio technical that I'm using, where it's USB and XLR. The mic he bought is just XLR. I used to own this microphone myself several years ago before I discarded all of my outboard equipment and just started using USB microphone for a while because uh, I was moving around too much. Uh, but this mic is. One, uh, XLR, it is a condenser microphone, which means it gives you a little bit more of a warmer, more natural sound, uh, from that microphone. Typically with condensers, you don't want a condenser microphone unless you're in a very well treated room, uh, with no little to no echo and, uh, you know, quiet environments. The nice thing about this particular mic, one, being handheld, is already smaller than a lot of the condensers that are out there. And two, this actually has a very, very tight pickup pattern. So it is very good at rejecting noise on the side and from the uh, back. So very much like a dynamic microphone, like the two that we're currently using now, the How PR40s uh, of the world, uh, are dynamic microphones which reject sound very well, uh, just by their simple nature and how they're built. But the mic that Michael has picked up, the mic that Mike picked up is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is really good at that. I, I love that microphone when I had it. It's one of my favorite all time mics that
0: I've ever used and owned.
1: You're going to get me in trouble, Mossy.
0: I didn't pick anything up.
1: Well, the microphone that Michael, uh, investigated and was purchased by Payone Media. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mike just is the hands of his business because yes. you know, the business is his own entity, but it does not have any hands. Therefore, Michael has to be the hands for the business. So when I say Michael picked it up, I mean he was acting on behalf of the company to make this purchase.
0: Is yes. What I'm saying. If, if Mallory happens to be listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not happening.
1: She's hanging out at a clubhouse just listening. I don't
0: doubt it. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm talking about the record of the show. I mean, she no. didn't listen to that either. I know. I think she listened to one episode the entire time. I think <laughs> maybe two. But man, listen, you would get a
1: lot more hell if she listened to the show.
0: <laughs> a lot more hell if she actually listened to the show.
1: Were so, you talking about me? No, no,
0: I wasn't. No, I was, go was find your shoes. So full transparency, I am getting this microphone with the intention of keeping it with the intention of of replacing my current microphone with that microphone and using it uh, for everything. However, if I don't like the sound of it with my voice, because, well, you know, each microphone sounds different on for every person's voice, or if I uh, think that it's it's not a good fit for me. I will take advantage of the return window and then maybe try another microphone. Because that's, that's one thing that I have to, that I have to remind myself is uh, it, it, almost any of your music or your uh, audio-related stores have the ability to try something out. Yeah, you put the money out front, but try it out. See if it works. If it fits your needs, then use it. Otherwise, return it. And I think Zounds has a 60-day return window. I don't remember. I'll have to look.
1: Yep. That is always, uh, I'll try to remind people of that often when you buy anything in a lot of cases, you have the ability to return it. Like if there's something about it, you don't like, like return it. Don't just keep it.
0: (laughs) Don't Uh, don't make yourself like it.
1: Yeah. Don't make yourself like it and don't keep it and throw it in a drawer and not use it. And you have spent that money on it. I know it's a little different, you know, math. If you went and spent like eight bucks on something on Amazon, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna spend more than eight bucks in gas, taking this back to UPS to drop it off. So, you know, cool give it to somebody as a gift i do that all the time like random junk i bought it's like you know it really ain't worth returning this uh uh, you know but it was only a few bucks in the first place now 250 and fifty dollar microphone absolutely i don't like it i'm sending it back (laughs) so mike did get a pretty good deal on this uh z sounds has it on sale right now by itself standalone for 207 which is the lowest price i have personally ever seen for that microphone um I think the cheapest before that I had seen it was around two fifteen, uh, at Sweetwater. So pretty good deal. And then Mike, you said they had a bundle with a stand and something else.
0: Uh, a stand XLR cable. XLR cable, and I think that was it for two fifty nine. For two fifty nine, yeah. And the mic normally retails at around two fifty. So yeah, uh, yeah. All the YouTube reviews that I said or that I found said that they would have it for two fifty, and you can find it for two fifty. So all of a sudden, two oh seven doesn't sound that bad.
1: Nope really good deal really good deal uh, so yeah be curious to see I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how it sounds when you get it and what you think about your voice and what I'm going to think about it because I might tell you hey Mike that mic sucks <laughs> <laughs> for you it sucks yeah, it sucks yeah. you should send it back
0: instantly or, or Demasi might say you should send it to me and then- you know Mike I don't think you're holding it right <laughs> <laughs> god damn it don't make me cough <laughs> So, on top of buying stuff today, unless you have anything else to say about that... mm Okay. On top of buying stuff today, I decided to try Riverside, and uh, that was an interesting experience. We were going to use Oh, it wasn't. It didn't work. Okay. It was interesting (laughs) to sign up. It looks kind of cool, and then we couldn't get it to work. So we're back to using CleanFeed. It's a pretty straightforward process for, again, the sign-up process. I haven't actually got to test it. We'll play with it. Maybe we'll use the new microphone with Riverside and try to get it to work. Uh, Looks pretty interesting to me. Uh, mainly because, I don't know if you saw this, Demasi, you probably didn't because you were just a guest, and I logged in as the 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 host and you can a have a producer so you can have someone come in that's not recorded on the uh audio files b you can keep a evergreen what they call studio so we would have made the dm series studio we should just call it like studio dm or something like that uh and then i would have called it pay on media studios but you know, there, that's just there, me there you go and then the other thing is on there apparently there's a way to mark in the recording in uh riverside and that right there would have been kind of cool because Chapter. that's what, we would, yeah well or mark when we or have edit, edit points. points is what i was thinking is if we download the files and it brings those markers into something like reaper and we can jump to the edit points that could save us a lot of time well save me a lot of time that's nice mm-hmm. uh and then you can upload audio like you can to uh clean feed you can also eventually if you if you want to start pay paying them start live streaming to twitter facebook and youtube so that might be something we play with in the near future it did not work for today's show though
1: yeah but ain't that the way ain't that the way Uh, but yeah we'll definitely test it out it does look interesting uh one of the things that interested me about it particularly was the um the video component like we probably don't really care about video for our show but I know a lot of people that do um and Michael you mentioned to me too that you you had you know been chatting or reading other uh blind individuals that have been using the service uh but from your perspective how was the accessibility of everything
0: from my perspective there are a couple of what appeared to be unlabeled buttons but there's a couple of unlabeled buttons in uh clean feed and yeah pretty much everything so uh it looks looked like everything could be done however that being said we weren't able to hear each other so (laughs) kind of important when you're recording something
1: yeah. Now I am going to disclose this fact because it did tell me this. I am running Chrome, uh, Google Chrome beta. Mm. Uh, I don't have actual, you know, the, the release version of Chrome installed. Uh, so it did tell me you're using an untested version of Chrome. Um, We can't verify that this should work. So it could
0: have I, been all your fault.
1: It could have been all my fault. I personally don't think it should be all my fault because it doesn't make any sense to me. But, right. you know, hey, it could have totally been all my fault. Like, they may have code that says, if not recognized version, don't attempt to do such and such because such and such may not be supported, right? Mm. But
0: but then they should have said, hey, such and such isn't going to work because you're running an, an unsupported browser instead of just saying, you may be running an unsupported browser.
1: You're you're on an untested
0: version. Oh, oh, that's no. what it is, untested. No. Yeah. So no.
1: You know, could have been all my fault. We will see. I will download the regular version of Chrome before we test it.
0: Next time. No. What I want you to do is download the app and we can play with that and see if it works. Uh yeah, I thought about doing that. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, because they do have an iOS app. Yeah, they have they have
0: an iOS app specific.
1: That is the other thing that was interesting too, uh that I did not realize until oh, hold on, because I'm looking at the notes. Looking at the notes. Hold on. Mike want to know what my experience was like with the invite. So uh presuming Mike just punched in my email address and sent me an email. Yeah, I got an email. Uh, It says you have been invited to. It showed me the studio name and yada, yada, yada. And it gave me a link to click on to join the session. It also had a QR code that I could scan to download the iOS app. Uh, A nice thing that it had that I, because I just saw a clean feed email reminds me clean feed does not put this in their emails is it gave some pretty handy tips, just basic tips for preparing to record. You know, for example, uh, we suggest that you wear headphones. We suggest that you use a good microphone uh, something about something else too i don't remember everything they said but i had a couple of like little bullet points at the end just kind of you know general tips you would give people uh for recording oh make sure you close uh you know close any unneeded apps because you don't want to be spreading out your processor stuff too much and you know wired connections are better than wi-fi etc cetera, etc cetera, like that so you know pretty nice email i clicked the link where well, i actually didn't click that link i copied the link and saved it when i did click on the link it just popped me right in it asked me for my name i uh, had to give it permission for camera and microphone access and then join and it, that was pretty much it
0: did it ask you if you were wearing headphones it did ask me was i wearing yeah. headphones yeah i thought that was interesting because the, there apparently is some different processing that's done if you choose no.
1: yeah which is good uh these things you can also do inside of CleanFeed, like adjust for not people not wearing headphones. Uh, I think that may only be on the pay plan. I'm not sure. I don't remember what's free and what's not free anymore (laughs) with clean feed. Uh, But yeah, it's an interesting uh, potential solution for recording podcasts, especially if you're interested in video content uh, or streaming your video to like YouTube or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I refuse to show up on a Facebook stream. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs)
0: So so no Demasi on Facebook, huh? Uh,
1: I mean, you know, honestly, if I don't have to do anything, like you just, if you connect to Facebook and stream it over there, sure, I don't care. Yeah, there we go. But if I got to go sign in and go through all of that, no, because I don't know if I even can get into my account anymore <laughs> <laughs> without going through a major hassle to prove who I am. And you know what? It, it ain't worth it. That's Riverside FM. If you have any thoughts about it, any opinions, uh, you have used it, you are using it, you used it and it was like, man, this thing is garbage, I throw it away. Tweet at the show, at the DM series on Twitter. Let us know what you
0: think. Or you can go to com slash DM94 and there'll be a way you can click on contact us because we did get someone who contacted us. I need to fix that form. But we did get someone who contacted <laughs> us. She reached out to us, and then I realized I forgot to ask her for her email address on the form. So, yeah. That was interesting. Hmm.
1: You know what would have been really weird if she just would have typed it into the comment field? Like, and because you didn't ask her. <laughs> you know, just, so just so you could actually attempt to reach back out to me and, and say something.
0: Maybe that's why she submitted it twice. I didn't look at the second one.
1: Huh, that would, yeah, you should, look you
0: should look and see. I should. I should go grab it and look.
1: I'll go fix the form. I'll add a spot in
0: so you can put in your
1: Twitter handle, too, if you want us to just mention you on Twitter. There you go. So you can be like all the cool kids who, who get mentioned by the DM series.
0: I, I I think Jeff's the only cool kid that's gotten mentioned. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 we've mentioned a couple people on there. We
1: have mentioned a couple of
0: people, but yeah. Jeff is a pretty cool guy, so. Yeah, yeah, there
1: we go. So, going from Riverside to the EU. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Mike didn't want to say it. I will say it. That was terrible. (laughs) Anyway, we are going to take a quick trip over to the EU because I wanted Michael's thoughts and I wanted us to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, right now. The issue that I put in the docs here for us to discuss is the fact that there's no action currently being taken at this moment. I've seen some misreporting of this, but my understanding of where we are right now is the EU Commission, I could have that that phraseology wrong, but the, the people of the EU who kind of make rules sort of serves the same purpose as our, our SEC, right? That's, that's kind of my, my feeling behind it. It's like they, they make a lot of uh, policy or, or say this thing has been violated or whatever.
0: That affects they, the residents.
1: Yeah, they are considering uh so right now they're saying that they feel Apple's locking down of the NFC chip on the iPhone for mobile payments, so tap to payment specific for uh tap to pay payments specifically, uh is an antitrust. Uh they, they find it to be a violation of their antitrust policies. Now, again, they haven't sued Apple. They haven't done anything except say, you know, after doing some investigation, this is our conclusion. Hey, Apple, what do you have to say about this? Right. Also, you can't throw out security and say that that's the thing without really doing a lot of extra work to prove to us that there's some security reason behind this because we don't see it. So what do you got to say for yourself? Right. So there's no action being taken. They hadn't found Apple yet. They hadn't done anything. They're just like, hey, this is what we discovered. You want to know what you think. We're going to bring you down to the station for some questioning. You got some questions to answer Apple. Here's the basic thing, right? Apple Pay on the iPhone is, you know, the NFC chip that's in the iPhone is restricted to Apple Pay. So if you want to use any tap, you're in any store anywhere that actually sells NFC payments, you can only use Apple Pay. You cannot install Google Pay and then use that on your iPhone. You can't install anybody else's pay and use that on your iPhone with tap to pay. You can use Google Pay to send money and do all of that stuff, but you cannot use it for tap to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas conversely, on Android, the only two that I'm familiar with are uh, Google Pay, of course, uh, and then if you have a Samsung device, because I don't think it works if you don't have a Samsung device, but I don't know. I guess I could have tried it. Uh, <laughs> since I have a Pixel, um, you have Android Pay and Samsung Pay. There probably are other payment applications uh, in the world that also can make use of tap to pay through the pixel i mean through the android phones uh, and their nFC chips so they're saying Apple's restriction of only using Apple pay with tap to pay is um, anti-competitive behavior they are squashing and throttling and, and smashing all of the possible innovation that can happen happen in the mobile payment space because they won't let anybody else use that chip to do tap to pay got some thoughts about that.
0: So do I. <sighs> so my first thoughts are... Okay. So my first thoughts on that are... Oh, okay. man, I really want to know what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so is this only them going after Apple? Because though Google may not allow Samsung Pay to work on Google devices, is that restriction still available? And is this just... I feel like people in power pick on apple too much and and i'm not the the diehard apple fanboy that some people are but i feel like the apple because of the size that they are gets picked on more than any other manufacturer
1: so i somewhat agree with what you just said i i would say even more to kind of Kind of narrow that that focus a little bit. My belief is that whenever there's a company that is kind of being picked on and they're getting in the news, like I mean, you go back a couple of years to Facebook, right? Maybe a year or two ago to Facebook, right? It's like every other week there was somebody going after Facebook for something, right? Whether whether you know deserved or not deserved, right? There were people going after Facebook for everything just because somebody started on Facebook and it's like, oh well, we better jump on the bandwagon too. I feel like that is where Apple is right now. Is that Every time I turn around, there is somebody picking at something. Some of it is justified, Some of it is not. Some of it I feel like is like, well hey, we're going to jump on the bandwagon while there seems to be a an EU in general, to be fair, has been trying to crack down and readjust their policies and rules to somewhat corral these very, very large companies. So that would include your apples, your Microsoft, Google, Facebook. Like tons of companies, Amazon, like there, but it does seem like there's an outsized focus on Apple at the moment, moment uh, for every little thing. It's like, you know, as soon as Japan started in on this and then here came Singapore with that and Korea with this. And it's like now all of a sudden every week there's somebody going after Apple and saying something is antitrust, anti whatever. Some of it I can agree with. Some of it I absolutely think is just ridiculous and you're just jumping on the bandwagon because there seems to be something in the wind that's like, oh, yeah, down with Apple, right? You know, kind of like when people jumped all over Microsoft in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? Everybody was down on Microsoft. With this particular issue here, uh, I, I don't know the answer to your question. I will. I'm, I'm going to actually test that because it didn't occur to me until I was talking that I could see if Samsung Pay was possibly available on the Pixel and if that would work. Uh, because it could be that, hey, Google locks down the NFC chip to only work with uh, Google Pay on the Pixel. Like, that could be the case. Is that now anti, anti-competitive behavior on their part? I can see sort of both sides of where the EU is coming from. I feel like this is one of those issues very much like the GDPR, where I understand what they're trying to solve or the issue that they're trying to get to the, the, the bottom of, the, the thing they're trying to do. But I think they're going about it the wrong way. Uh, in the case of Apple and Apple Pay and the NFC chip, like number one, it, it my first thing is, Apple never had this open and then closed it and said, oh, well, now that we have Apple Pay, you can't do this anymore. Now, some of the, the claims about them and Apple Music, I can see that a little bit more. It's like, oh, well, you could do all of these things with music apps until they started their own streaming mm. music service. And it's like, oh, we're going to you know, now start doing things that put our streaming service above everybody else's. Like, that is a fair comment. With Apple Pay, there was no NFC in the phone until they put NFC in the phone just to do Apple Pay, right? It's not open. It never has been open for anybody else to do anything with it. I know that's sort of the crux of the argument, but my point is I don't feel that just because the only way you can tap your phone and pay using iOS and, uh, well, the iPhone and the Apple watch specifically is if I were given a choice to use Apple Pay or some other pay Tap to pay method on my phone. I would still just use Apple Pay because I don't care. It's never bothered me that all I had on my phone was Apple Pay. Like that's, you know, that that seems to make sense to me. Uh, it's an Apple phone that has Apple Pay. Uh, I don't even want to use another system uh, mm. on my phone because I don't want the I don't I don't want the confusion. And the reason I say that I feel like this kind of strikes a little bit along the lines of what ended up happening with GDPR is. GDPR's purpose was to ensure that people were aware of the data that was being collected on them and that they had to explicitly opt in and say, yes, I'm okay with you collecting this data or no, I don't want you tracking me, right? That was the overall point. But the result of how they went about doing it is every single website you go to, there is a cookie notification that you have (laughs) to dismiss. And depending on whether or not the site collects a ton of information or very little information or whether their web developers were feeling magnanimous that day or not, you sometimes can't even read the content that you clicked on the link to go read until you do something about their freaking cookie pie. Mm-hmm. That is not a better experience for me to consumer. That's not a better experience for me, a web browser user. Uh, to have to deal with this every time I go to a website. And in a lot of instances, it actually creates accessibility issues because you get stuck in a little frame that you can't get out of. Um, and I feel like that's what they're headed down the path of doing right now, right? at least right now, indicating that they're going to go after Apple to force them to open up NFC so that Google can come in and put Google pay on my iPhone and Samsung can come put Samsung pay and Amazon can put Amazon pay and PayPal can put PayPal pay.
0: I don't want all that crap. on my Right. Phone, man. Right. Like, why do I have to do this? And and as someone who might not be as technologically advanced, you just want something that's going to work with the system. Right now, Apple Pay, that that works. I guess the most frustration I get is when I try to add a card, and it's like, your bank is not supported by Apple Pay still. And I'm like, really? It's 2022. Why are you not supporting Apple? Right. <laughs> so, uh, or, or Demasi would have got paid earlier this week. Uh, and then the other thing is, Remember, it's only the payment processing aspect of it because you can use the NFC reader in your iPhone for anything. I use it for time tracking. I also use it the NFC reader for logging water and and all that type of stuff. But when it comes to to making payments, is where the issues arise.
1: Yeah, and that's 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 specifically what they're focused on. Now, I'm going to also make this statement uh, because I think it's worth saying this i am in the united states of america so is michael i have no idea whatsoever you can tweet at us if you have some idea you want to share because i really am honestly legitimately all sarcasm aside legitimately honestly honestly interested in hearing but we don't know anything about any other payment systems in mm-hmm. in europe that may actually be like um Unusable, or you would prefer to have such a system available on your iPhone, right? Like, I don't know. Right Right now, the only things I know about are Google Pay, uh, Samsung Pay, as a thing that's on Samsung phones for sure. And that PayPal, I sort of feel like, are the ones who initiated this whole deal because they want access to something uh, that they're not getting. But they also can't do that on the Android phone, as far as I'm aware, either. Uh, I, I actually don't use PayPal enough to know, but I don't think you can tap to pay with PayPal on your. Android device, either. And then it comes down to the merchant support, too. There's that. uh But I think PayPal is trying to worm Venmo into a, 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 mm. a different sort of position. And again, you know, things are different in the EU. Like, we in the US are like way, way behind them when it comes to how credit cards are used. Yes. Like, we still haven't caught up, even though we have the chips now. It's like, you know, I'm like, yeah, but you know, we had those chips. Like, you know, like I'm over here fascinated because, like, I can authenticate my uh you know the new capital one credit card i got i just had to tap it on the back of the phone and it was like okay we've activated your car i was like man that is so cool i'm <laughs> not the eu hearing this right now I was like man i was doing that 20 years ago yes yes welcome to our life <laughs> <laughs> welcome to 2003 sucker <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if there is actually legitimately a Thing in the EU that you cannot do that you wish you could do. If you, we have any EU listeners, I don't think we actually track our, or I don't look at them. We don't. To we'll, look at the well, geographic yeah. uh, breakdown. But if you're in the EU and you're hearing this, or if you are hearing this and you know someone in the EU that can answer this question, or you spend a significant amount of time over there so you know how things are, uh, let us know. For sure. Because I can't think of any reason that they're doing this other than because they're, they, they can uh, but I don't think anybody in the EU, I think, I feel like most of the average customer would be very much like me. Like, hey, if I pick up my Android, my iPhone, I want to be able to use Apple Pay, and that's it. Like, I'm not really worried about anything else, but also don't know about anything else, right? There's a lot of other systems over there that we don't
0: have, so could be a reason. To me, it feels a little spurious, though. So, Demasi, payment processing information needs to be kept secure and you should also keep the rest of your online life secure especially using 2fa uh tell me what you, what, what were you thinking here i see yubikeys and fido <laughs> uh
1: so just just you know there there's a lot of stuff going on around fido in general because what is fido Bob, uh it's a doggy man you <laughs> <laughs> uh see episode 83 for the action yeah we did
0: talk about it
1: we did Uh, yeah i I don't remember what the acronym is for at the moment i could go look it up but i won't yeah because my keyboard's over there uh but fido is a web um authentication yeah web authentication protocol Uh, and it's a it's an alliance so like it's open source anybody can use it etc uh yubikey uses this this is also what is used uh with with other uh devices like smart cars to authenticate you to a website it's also used in some other other situations but what's going on with yubikeys and fido so google apple and microsoft uh I I never put those in actual alphabetical order. I didn't write them that way either. I think I wrote Apple, Microsoft, and
0: Google. It's weird. (laughs) Uh
1: (laughs) Uh-huh. Like it's A-G-L. Okay. So I mentioned this to you, Mike, that I have been trying to figure out how to use this thing that keeps popping up in Safari on the Mac for me whenever I have two-factor come up. So I'm using a YubiKey for like, you know, just to authenticate for two-factor right now uh, on a lot of different sites. Every site that supports it that I know about Uh, including Facebook. I have my YubiKey crap. That's why I can't get back into my Facebook account either. (laughs) Um, I use the YubiKey. Well, now let's say I go log into Cloudflare, for example. Log in, you know, do the one password thing with the username and password pops up and it says, okay, you want to put in your security key. Well, what used to happen is there would just be a button for me to click on the website. It says, hey, I'm ready to do this. And then I would have my key plugged in and I would tap it and it would, Check and I'm like, yeah. Are you you? And it's like, yeah, I'm me. And it's like, all right, now you're in here, mm-hmm. and now I'm in my Cloudflare account. Well, now what happens instead of that coming up in Safari? And it's been happening since around like twelve point one. I don't think it was initially there in the original version of uh, the the point version of Monterey. A dialog pops up that says, uh, "The first thing it tells me is scan a QR code to authenticate." And I'm like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And there's a little table view and I can arrow down and pick, I want to authenticate with a with a USB uh, key or whatever. And then I do that thing and then I'm able to go through. Now, it was slightly annoying me because there's an extra step you have introduced into this process that I have to now deal with. Secondarily, if I don't do it fast enough, this is a bug. If anybody's encountered this, it's not you, it is actual bug. If you don't do anything on that little dialogue that pops up in Safari fast enough, it will basically lock up your browser. Like you'll get stuck in a little dialogue popover that you can't get out of and you can't quit. Only thing to do is force quit Safari, reopen it. Uh, super annoying. So, because of this and because of the scan the QR code thing, I'll set out to figure out what is this in the first place. Turns out it's Apple's passkey. Uh, not to unlock your door key, but Apple's pass key thing where you can scan a code with your phone and then you can now from now on use your phone and face ID or touch ID uh, to authenticate to the website. So it's like now your phone has become a key. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, this is cool. Let me start trying to set this up, man. It yeah. is, let me tell you, it is difficult to set up. Uh <laughs> super. Difficult you, to set up. <laughs> yeah. Uh not super happy about it. I actually want to say at the moment that I don't even have it working on iOS. I think I have it work I have it working on the Pixel. Uh
0: I do not have it working on the iPhone at the moment. But but he had to upgrade to Android beta thirteen to get it to work easily on the Pixel.
1: Yeah, not to have to jump into the camera app to yeah. scan the code. Uh yeah. Uh, a tip for anybody, too, if you do a lot of QR code scanning or you think you're going to do a lot of QR code scanning, you can add a QR code scanner in iOS to Control Center yep. so you don't have to open up the camera and deal with all that weirdness that it does.
0: And it, and it works fairly nicely. You tap on it and then you point your phone at the computer screen. And what I do is I slowly move my phone away from the screen. And once it scans it, it you know, it, it, I believe it vibrates. Some apps vibrate. I don't remember if the QR code scanner itself vibrates, but other QR scanning systems do. I did finally get this to
1: work. Now, all of that, Apple does say this is is still sort of in beta. So any deployment of it right now with the in trying to use it with the iPhone is still technically called a beta. So hence the reason it doesn't work. I wish they would stop popping up the stupid dialogue in my way, though, because it's super annoying. <laughs> Super, super annoying, Apple. Just saying, if it's a beta, I should be able to turn it off and be like, hey, don't show me this passkey crap right now because um, it doesn't work. But the good news about this is that Apple, Google, because back to where I started at, Apple, Google, and Microsoft. There we go, alphabetical order. There's no favoritism here. They have, so before I get to that, let me step aside for a second. Google also has a similar thing, right? Here's the reason I was able to set this up on the Pixel. Uh, and Microsoft also has this with, uh, I don't actually know how Microsoft is doing this. Maybe they're doing it with their Authenticator app or something. Uh, I didn't look into that. But my first concern about this, so essentially if you get this to work on the iPhone, get it to work on the Pixel, uh, so right now I can log into Cloudflare using my username and password, and then instead of using a YubiKey or a two-factor code, I can pick up my Pixel, scan a QR code, and touch my fingerprint to the phone to actually authenticate it as me, me. Uh, and then it will pass a signal back to the browser and it will say, hey, yeah, I'm me, let me in. And then it lets me in, right? I mean, it's a little bit more you know, technical than that, but that's essentially yeah. what's happening. Now, here's the immediate... Well, I'm going to stop for a second. Mike, do you see the... So Apple's implementation of this will allow you to do this on your phone, but it'll also sync your passkey because now think about it as like a virtual Yuba key, right? Well, now this key is being synced through iCloud to all your devices, so great. Eventually, at some point, this would serve as the backbone of a passwordless login system. So instead of, you know, me going to Cloudflare and entering my username and password to log in, I would just go to Cloudflare and say, you know, use passkey and then scan the QR code with my phone and log in and there we go all right nice world great world iphone is happy google also doing a similar thing passkey on the android phone and it will sync through your google account so it will come over to your other uh android devices i don't know microsoft's implementation details because they don't have a phone but do you see the problem instantly Uh at least that i saw with this immediately and i was like man i ain't doing that
0: I, I imagine the problem you've seen is, well, Michael decides he wants to use Google today, but his key's on Apple, and you can't synchronize them between uh-huh. the two different uh-huh. platforms.
1: That was the problem. Yep. It's the reason I have no longer been playing with it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I ain't getting trapped in that situation, man. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> so the good news is that Michael... I mean, not Michael. (laughs) Michael may have nothing to do with this. (laughs) (laughs) At least I don't think he did. I don't know. Mike's a little connected. Mike's a little bit more connected than a lot of people know he is. I don't know. Maybe Michael did have something to do with this. Uh, And he does know Jeff, so who knows? Uh, But Apple, Google, and Microsoft have announced together that they are going to be working on a way to ensure your pass keys can be cross-platform which does solve that problem, right? Because that was the first thing I was thought about when I actually read up on how it worked. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that because they're right. stuck. Uh, so they have announced that. That is going to be a cool feature. Essentially, once it actually gets deployed, sites get updated to actually support it. And there are devices, I, I think we're still several years away. Passwordless as a thing keeps moving because there's always, you know, how do we do it first? How do we make it work? Second, how do we make sure everybody can do it before we just flip a switch and say, okay, the only way you can log into Google now is using this passwordless method. Uh, But eventually, where we will get to, and this is actually a really good step towards that process because they're going to allow you to sync these keys in some sort of cross-platform way. Uh, One, it makes me think that we're still not quite to the point, at least going down this path that they're taking, relying on your phone and some sort of account. We're still not going to be getting away from passwords because, well, I will at least have to sign into my Apple account, Mm -hmm. right, in order to access or my Google account or my, you know, Microsoft account in order to access my key in the first place. So doesn't solve that problem. But as we move further down the down the line with other websites, you know, eventually you'll be able to go to Cloudflare or Google or Facebook and instead of having to, you know, pop open one password or whatever or key, key chain, and fill in your username and password and then do two factor you'll just scan a code with your phone and then it'll say hey we see you're trying to log in is this you are you really trying to log in here and then you do face id or touch id or whatever and then it says oh okay we're gonna let you in here and then it lets you in we're a ways from that we're still a ways away from that because I don't I, I still don't see how you resolve the problem of how do I access my key in the first place if I'm getting a new So if I drop my phone tomorrow and crack it right and I need to order a new phone even if Apple Care or, or whatever protection plan will cover my mm-hmm. repair or replacement, I still have to get a new phone when I get that new phone, I don't have a key to authenticate to Apple or to authenticate to Google to get into my Android or my iPhone. So I still need the password, right? Yeah. So we're still a ways away from that, I think. The extremely funny thing to me is, and I think we may have talked about this on a prior episode. If it was, it was pre-episode 60 uh, of the show. Uh, Steve Gibson from Security Now came up with a a login method using QR codes, funnily (laughs) enough. (laughs)
0: <laughs> like, this exact system
1: called Squirrel. I keep meaning to send him a tweet. It was like, so can you talk about this on security now and what you think about it? Uh, so his system was called Squirrel, S-Q-R-L, and it was centered around, uh, first and foremost, he answered all of the questions that I just asked, which is how do I deal with my identity or my my passkey when I get a new device, how do I back this up in some sort of way where I'm able to retrieve it when I need to get into a new device, brand new, and I don't have a old device to authenticate myself. He answered all these questions. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to squirrel, you know, just, just a quick, you know, reasonable, non-technical overview of how it works. Uh, I will summarize it fairly quickly here though. So you go create an identity with squirrel, uh, you have an app on your device, you know, and they, he covered all the devices. There's Mac app. There's a Mac app. There's an iOS app that is still in beta, uh, mostly because I don't think Squirrel has been moving anywhere. Uh, there are Android apps. There are plugins for, like, there's an there's a ecosystem and some infrastructure built up around it. There's just nobody's talking about it because right. they're doing their own thing. Uh, but I have a Squirrel identity. So the way that I did it is I opened up a Squirrel client. That's where, that's where you start. Get a Squirrel client, whether that's your phone or on your computer. You generate a new ID. You first have to, you know, you put in a password that you're going to use to like unlock that that identity if it's been locked. You know, you haven't used it for a while or whatever. So there is some some protection there. It will take advantage of any biometric, you know, uh, authentication methods on the device that you're you're using. But you have to have that password. So Think about it, kind of like your one password for one password. Um, once you have generated your identity. It enforces you to it forces you to do one or two things unless you really just want to be stupid. Either print out your QR code that you can scan to re, you know, reattach your identity to a new device uh, or save it, you know, in like PDF form somewhere secure where you can retrieve it. Right. Once you've done that, you have your squirrel identity. Let's say you go to let's say Google supported this method. Uh, you would go to Google, you would log into your Google account the normal way. And he would say, Hey, I want to switch over and start using Squirrel to log in. You know, so, okay. Uh, scan this QR code. All right. You scan the QR code. It will bounce to your Squirrel app. Squirrel would send it your public key because it's still kind of using public and private key cryptography, which is also what Fido uses. And it'll say, okay, we have your, you know, public identity. Uh, here's, you know, we have now, you know, created a, a squirrel identity for Google. Now, the difference in this and a lot of other methods is that squirrel actually has a single identity for each website. So let's say, you know, for some reasons you, you wanted to abandon Google or, or whatever the case is like that identity is only tied to Google. So you can't use that same identity to log into a different app, right? You, and, and when I say identity, the information that Google is holding is specific to Google. Right. You gotcha. still have just the one one identity that you have on your on your devices, but Google has a single use of, hey, this is Michael Babcock. Uh you know, when you go to Facebook, Facebook is gonna have a different piece of so if Google and Facebook sat down and were like, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna uh you know, compare information on this Michael guy that we right. have in our system, they wouldn't be able to match up the two keys that they have, right?
0: Because they're, they're, they're both they're unique. Different.
1: Right. Uh so all of the questions that I just asked, like, they they were solved solutions by Steve. Uh, it's a pretty nice system. I have used it. Uh, I toured around with putting a plug-in on a WordPress site at one point, <laughs> but then I decided not to do it because I was like, Mike's probably not going to go through this process, so we won't do it. That is one of the questions I still have. And even with Squirrel, there's still a password. So we have not yet gotten away from the point of needing passwords yet. I still think that is several years away. But it's nice that we are making some sort of progress overall with this. YubiKeys, and the reason I dropped that in there is one, Michael was getting a YubiKey at some point. Uh Yeah. They were on sale. Yeah, they were on sale. Uh, On the 4th. I did not realize that was a sale. 54% <laughs> 54% off. I was like, hey. The only thing they did, they really screwed me up, is they uh you could only pick from two different sets of keys. You could pick the USB A NFC uh or the USB C NFC. I probably would have tried to get the biometric one if they would have just let me pick anything, but you know, right. whatever. Uh but also for me, now here's again the problem with passwordless. like Passwordless will come to me probably quicker than it will to most people because I have a YubiKey, and there are going to be systems in place sooner that allow me to use that YubiKey as an authentication method because uh, mm-hmm. I'm using it now. Everybody's not going to go out and buy a YubiKey, and I certainly am not going to outfit everybody I know with a YubiKey. I would like to. I can't afford it. Somebody dropped right. a couple million bucks on me for something. You know, hey, if you want to buy our show for a million bucks, I'll give everybody I know a YubiKey.
0: Yes, that, that'll that be one of the perks. Everyone Definitely. we know gets UB keys if yeah. someone buys our show for a million bucks. Yeah.
1: Now, I may not continue to do the show after you buy it, depending <laughs> on what your terms are, but you can have the rights to the show uh, for a million bucks. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Spotify. <laughs> oh, man, I don't want to sell to Spotify. No, I'm really leaving the show.
0: <laughs> oh, uh hold on. Now. I've lost my spot in the document oh just reload it that's what i had to do then find your spot again <laughs> i'm excited about this ub key thing i've had a little bit of experience with ub keys uh, oh yeah i, I forgot at you fcr fcr yeah yep 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 and and it was kind of cool because you could enter your network username and password and then you had to uh, to use the ub key for it to actually let you oh instead of pressing okay you press the ub key button and yep. that logged you in.
1: And that logged you into the computer. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That is a cool, and that is much. E- that is very easy, relatively speaking, to set up on Windows. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a pain. And I think right now, even uh, on Apple Silicon, it might not even be, or, or it may be Monterey. Something about Apple right now is making that extreme, either extremely, extremely difficult or impossible at the moment to do that anymore on uh, Apple computers. Yeah, I do like the YubiKey. One nice thing about the Windows ecosystem, too, especially with Windows Hello being out there as a thing now, is if the corporate admin side of things is configured, I think this is how your system was kind of configured, is, you know, you pop your YubiKey in, you put in, you know, a username and do all that. You authenticate with the YubiKey. That identity uh or that verification of your identity at that point now gives you access to everything else so if they say i don't know if fcr was set up this way but you could set it up in such a way that you virtually don't really have to ever log into something else unless you're entering a, a extremely secure area uh of of the system right otherwise you're just browsing around the internet and accessing salesforce and all of that uh you
0: know like like you know, just no logins. So, so nice. other tools were nice used life. in combination with the YubiKey to make that possible, uh, a, a SSO tool. So Okta. Gotcha. Okta? Yeah. yeah. Okta. 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 I think that's what Mallard called it. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Okta. So, is it OKTA? Yeah. It's Okta. No, it's Okta. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, she's been watching dtns That's where she got that pronunciation ah okay that all makes sense you know because <laughs> that's what she has to do at one o'clock in the afternoon watch yeah. dtns
1: all right she ain't doing nothing else. <laughs> no not at all she was on amazon <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm excited for this it'll be fun uh uh, to To implement it into my security processes and and systems that I use online, and find all the places that'll take Ubi keys, so that way I can, uh, you know, use it to to not have to enter a code from Authy or stuff like that. So,
1: yeah, there, there's a lot of cool. And the model, the specific model that you're getting, uh, so NFC is there, so that's great because mm-hmm. you can tap it on the back of your your phone because that's not locked. No, uh, no, it's not. Although you cannot pay anybody with it
0: either. Right? Okay, okay, good to know that. Yeah. So I can't walk up to Andrew's phone and be like, "All right, Andrew, I put I put twenty bucks on my NFC key. I'm going to transfer <laughs> that to you right now." <laughs> but it's okay; it's all secure. <laughs> oh man! All right. So
1: as we get around to our last topic for this, well, what is most likely the last topic? Because last time we said that, I think we had like you know a whole two other or three more show. topics. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> But moving on from, you know, the past wordless future to Michael's automation present right now. So Mike, you have been doing stuff with Hazel IFTTT, which I had to remind you about. Also mm-hmm. I have to remind myself about it to be fair. But, you know, it's a tool. And power automate. So power automate too. I forgot you mentioned that to me. So yeah, let's 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 talk about what you're doing. We have time I mentioned a couple of, you know, little minor things I've been doing with Hazel, uh, but
0: Yeah, let's let's go.
1: And I'll tell you something I discovered about Pushcut, too.
0: Oh, I'm excited about that. Cause I need to implement push cut more into the things that I'm doing. So what put me down this path is for those who don't know, Hazel is a system on the Mac. It's an app that you can get and it will automatically organize your files. Now I, we've picked on her a couple of times this episode. So I'm going to pick on her again. Mallory said, why would I want my computer to automatically move my stuff? If I put it somewhere, I don't want it to move. So <laughs> the, the, for me, this is beneficial. And here's why when I produce a podcast, I render it in Reaper, and then I move the FLAC files to Alphonic. Now I have not automated this aspect, though Demasi told me of a couple of ways we could automate moving files from being rendered in Reaper and move to the Alphonic folder. So I don't even have to do that. However, my workflow right now is render the FLAC files, which is for each of the tracks. Uh, The DM series has four tracks. And then I take those FLAC files and I put them in the Alphonic Google Drive. And then uh, the Alphonic Google drive folder. And then I go and I log into Alphonic and the files show up there. So I don't have to upload them and I can process the audio the way I expect to. I've created a couple of presets in Alphonic, one for the DM series, one for another podcast I work on. And both of these uh, presets put the rendered file into Google drive, which goes into the Alphonic finished folder in Google drive. So all oh, that's kind of important because Hazel watches the all finish folder. And when it sees right now, currently any files that say, let's get to work, it will take that let's get to work file and put it into the let's get to work folder in my Google drive folder automatically. Now know that Hazel can put files anywhere. I uh, was working on another podcast where the co-host and I share a iCloud folder, by the way, Apple sharing of folders feature really sucks, just saying. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it takes the file from Alphonic finished and it moves it over to that iCloud drive. So I just wanted to, to reiterate that so that way you don't think that Hazel is limited to watching Google Drive folders. Everything that I'm doing though is just in Google Drive. So when it sees a file that starts with the words, let's get to work, it moves that file to the let's get to work folder. Then IFTTT is watching that let's get to work folder. And when it sees that a new MP3 file has been added to that, to a specific subfolder of the let's get to work folder, it sends an email to the team to say, hey, this podcast is edited. You can go publish it. Do what you need to with it. And then my automation stop. And, and when I realized that I was using local-based file automation and internet-based automations, I'm like, this, this is kind of cool. Now, it might seem seem basic to some, but to me, it's saving me a lot of time. And more importantly, it's saving me the step of having to send people an email to say, Hey, that your stuff's done. Because usually my mental workflow is if I'm done with something, I want to be done with something. So when it's done in Alphonic, I don't want to have to worry about doing anything with it. And then Power automate, I've been playing with that a little bit. The only thing that I'm doing with that is a very unnecessary automation, but I used it as a demo. So if I add a new calendar event, I'd like to do some uh time-based rules on this. If I add a new calendar event, it automatically adds a new task in to in my inbox. What I want to eventually do is if I add a new calendar event, add a new task in to to my uh preparations project that's due five hours hours before the calendar event. Eventually that's, that's my goal with that. And, but I wanted to test it out in power automate. So that's my real quick automation thoughts. So what is power automate? I don't know. So there's two aspects to it that I have found. Power Automate offers automation with web tools, and then it also is a Windows app that's included in Windows 11 that will allow you to automate things locally to your machine as well. Gotcha. So I think it could... Theoretically work like Hazel, but there are some uh access challenges to it. And so I need to spend more time with it. And then switching between the Mac and Windows doesn't really help because I know unless, unless is there power automate on the Mac.
1: Huh.
0: And that I do not know, but I will Google it frantically Well, you tell us what you were talking about.
1: So oh, hold on, you just said you were Googling. Okay.
0: Uh, that so is what? a Power Automate desktop app on the Mac.
1: Huh. Let me take a look at that. So what I have recently said, so one, I set up a Hazel rule at Mike's prompting. Uh, and I just forgot to tell Mark that I set it up. So I do have a rule uh, or a couple of rules in Hazel that handle cleaning up my downloads. Mm. Uh, because essentially what will happen is either I will download something and then I will download something else. And then I forget about the thing that I downloaded two days ago. And it'll just get buried. So, First thing that happens is if a file is older than a week, it moves it into a subfolder inside of my downloads folder so that I will see what's in there. Like, don't lose stuff. Uh, the second thing it does is if a file has been sitting there for longer than 20, I think I said it at 21 days, um, and it is of a file type of either EPUB or PDF, it will, autom- it will move that file to uh, the uploads folder in iCloud for VoiceStream Reader. Ooh. And reason is, because oftentimes that's the reason I will, uh, that it's usually the reason that it's sitting there because sometimes I forget that I can actually add files from <laughs> back to. <laughs> yeah. So it'll just be sitting there until it's like, oh, let me get all these eBooks and put them in there. So when I open up, voice stream reader to read something else that book is going to be at the very top of the list now and it's like oh wait i didn't want to read that in here but i now remember that i need to do something about that so and actually this particular rule for that copies the file over to uh, uploads for a voice stream reader and leaves it in the or yeah leaves it in the um the cleanup folder uh inside of downloads that way if it does turn out to be like a receipt That I downloaded, you know, it's not like, oh, now how do I get this back out of Voice Stream? It's like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, go do something about the receipt dummy. Right. And delete it out of uh, Voice Stream because you don't really want to just sit there and read a receipt. (laughs) The other one that I have started working on is to actually deal with receipts because a lot of times, again, I will download stuff uh, like, like for example, today I just paid the internet bill today uh, and there was an option to print the bill and I was paying it on the phone because I wanted to use Apple Pay. Haha, ha. they can't do the thing about Apple. Oh, because <laughs> that's not <laughs> using NFC. Haha. Ha. Oh, man. Wait a minute. See, now they're going to make Apple. First, they're going to start making them. They're going to try to make them unlock the NFC chips so everybody can use it for tap to pay. Then the next thing is going to be well, you know, you can't really just lock Safari down and only show Apple mm. Pay buttons. You're going to have to allow mm. Google Pay buttons to show up.
0: Don't jinx Apple it. Too. Don't jinx it. So you weren't paying my my internet bill.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> uh i think mine might be significantly cheaper than yours at the moment
0: (laughs) Uh, mine's 98 and that includes tv
1: Yeah. yeah, okay well you got tv so
0: yeah uh, yeah that's uh, the most expensive i was 40 dollars 76 nice
1: yeah i paid the bill i was paying it on the phone uh through the at&t my at&t app so i paid that and there was a link to print so i was like okay Because I paid for this with my uh, business card, because a portion of that internet usage is uh, business related, so therefore I paid for my business card. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted a receipt. So I printed the receipt, uh, Why I converted the receipt from the print dialog on iOS to a PDF and then saved it in sync uh, in my receipts folder for 2022. And I was like, you know, what I need to do, uh, I had started working on this, but I was like, you know, what I need to do is actually really go work on this again. So what I have done is I'm working on it, so it's not it's not an active rule. like I'm. I haven't activated it yet. Uh, but what I have been working on and what this prompted me to go back to and also reminded me that I need to finish it, I uh, was doing this payment today, is when I move a, a file type, usually of PDF, because it's always going to be a PDF. Yep. To, I'm gonna actually probably end up with a with a couple of folders uh, just because of how down how downloads on the mac work I don't want to have to always pick where to save something uh, I should maybe figure out a way to do that on the fly but that's another day anyway it'll look at downloads and we'll also look at uh, this receipts folder in sync if the file is in downloads and contains certain you know patterns matching so for example my ATT uh, it will do two things. If it finds it in the downloads folder on the Mac, it will first rename that file with the month and year, month, date, and year. Uh, I think I have that going in reverse order. So it's year, month, day. So it would be 2022-0506 uh, would have been what today's was. Followed by ATT and internet and then it will move that file, if it's in downloads, over to my 2022 receipts folder and save. Ah,
0: there you go. Uh-huh. And then you don't have to think about it. All you have to do is pro- get. All you have to do is save the receipt, and then the computer does the rest of it. Uh huh. And that's the uh-huh. key for automation. Until you stop thinking about it, and then six months down the road, you're like, "Why is this not working? Oh yeah, because now they're called." Fiber by AT star.
1: (laughs) So, and this is the reason I haven't activated this yet is like, I need to, um, I'm I'm kind of slowly compiling like some different terms that you're going to see that I will see. So for example, with AT&T receipt, uh, looking at this one today, it's like, okay, I recognize that AT&T is going to be in here. Uh, this account number is going to be here. So look for this. Ah. Hazel can look inside of files
0: too. Yep. I so, always forget that it can look inside of text files. Whereas like MP threes and stuff like that, it has to look at the or Flax, it has to look at the file name. But in it can look in Pd that is a, ooh, ooh.
1: Yeah. So I wanna uh work on that to say look in here and if you see this, then do you
0: it could even time. just do it based on just the account number because your account number's not gonna change. Nope. So huh. Uh
1: and if it's already in the sync folder because I downloaded it, I, like I paid the bill on the phone and did what I did today, uh, then it will just rename it and leave it yeah. where it is. Uh, you but go. that way, I can very quickly find my receipts, and that is a, a an automation that I have should have set up, and I kind of halfway had it set up several years ago. Uh, subsequently, reset the Mac at some point, or got a new Mac, or something. And didn't back up his Hazel rules, <laughs> and did not back up my Hazel rules, and I didn't want to go figure out how to pull them out of the the, the clone that I had. So I was like, screw it, I'll just start over, man. Yeah. uh other, Because one of the reasons I always install Hazel because as soon as I install the application and then delete it, and I don't get this pop up, I'm like, oh, gotta go get Hazel. Is there's an option in Hazel to say clean up uh, app? Ooh, like I that. forgot about so, that. Yeah, so when you delete an app from the applications folder, Hazel will offer, it will look through your system and it will offer, usually it's just like in the library Uh application support folder, but it will go clean up those files because a lot of applications don't do that uh, and get those out of your system. And you can choose to keep them or choose to delete or selectively save some of them and delete others, Uh, but it's a handy feature for me because usually... I want all the stuff going out of the application if I delete it because it's probably because it's not coming back or I'm deleting it with the intent of like, okay, this app is for some reason went sideways. I need to delete it. I need to scrub all this data, restart restart the computer and then reinstall it. Right? Well, it doesn't help if the same corrupted files are still in the library (laughs) because when you install it and open it up, it's like, oh, hey, I see myself already here. Yeah. Hey, I'm back home. Hey, I'm going to do the same goofy thing I was doing that made you going to install me in the first place. So, Hazel, super powerful application. Almost put a Mac Mini in the cloud just to run Hazel. Mike mm-hmm. didn't want to split the cost for it, though.
0: So, you know, that's why he nope. didn't do it. No, nope. but it would be nice. And Hazel might bring me back to the Mac full time. I say that every episode, I think.
1: Well, you said that about an app just about every episode. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, maybe I should just do it and then go from there. Go, go, switch back over to the Mac. So
1: there's still the, the, the efficiency with, uh, um,
0: Google docs. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's Google docs. Uh, yeah. But no, Different. I was thinking about, uh, Zen uh desk. work work. Yeah. Zen yep. I know yep. it was in some, I don't know why I can come up with desk. I can yeah. to say Zencastr. I'm like, that's not it. No,
0: Cause you were but looking that, at Zencastr today.
1: Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, there's the efficiencies there, Hana. That,
0: it, it is.
1: Yep, yep. That's that's the big. And then Word, because you're using Word on Windows. Have you tried Word on a Mac at all?
0: Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Mm. <laughs> I have, not it's not been that that pleasant of an experience. Although it hasn't been as horrible as it was in the past either. It's just mm. not. It's it's different than what it is on Windows, obviously, and I don't like the differences. Ah. Uh. Like each page is its own item that you have to interact with. And then. Oh, some of them.
1: So they do it like they do uh, all, and it doesn't even carry across on huh? because that's kind of how, how yep. Review handles PDFs. Like yep. you can navigate across the pages basically at a higher level than interact. Although if you're reading through the PDF, typically it'll take you to the next page when you get to the
0: end. If you're reading down through the word, it will stop, it er- 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 It moves you to this next page, which is an edit box that you can interact with to start reading again.
1: Oh, that's terrible.
0: Yeah. At least that's been my experience. You should try
1: switching to, what is that mode? Hold on. I want to make sure. You know where you can change your navigation
0: mode? To like bookend?
1: No, you don't want bookend. You want flat or something.
0: Oh, in the voiceover utilities.
1: Ah, grouping behavior. So
0: mine is currently on standard. Wait. Yeah, there's one option that says no groups, I think, or or ign- it's the last yeah, option. Ignore the yeah, ignore group. Yeah. I, I, I will play with it. Maybe. We'll see. But if you have any tips for navigating Microsoft Word documents or for automating with ho- with HOSL. HOSL wow. Wow. <laughs> hazel <laughs> <laughs> or with automating using hazel feel free to reach out to us we're on twitter at the dm show right no nope. series Damn the it. dm series all right all right <laughs> Reach out to (laughs) us at yourownpay.com forward slash DM94, or I'm on Twitter at Payown, P-A-Y-O-W-N. He's on Twitter at Damasi D-A-M-A-S-H-E. And the show's on Twitter at the DM Series.